initiate startup process. Now, all the way live. Hey, yo, <laughs> y'all know what this is. Damn it, the most hip-hop and R&B. I want to introduce to y'all. It's the infamous. Call your friends and tell them it's going down now. It's going down. Woo! You understand that? It's It's live. Let's, Let's go. In five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Infamous Hour. I'm your host, the Infamous Amadeus, reporting live from sunny California. Round of applause. This is actually my uh, my second time. The first time I came here, Tone, um, I didn't really get to enjoy myself because we was here for like two days, and and then we uh, we, we left abruptly. But uh, how are you enjoying your time in uh, here in L.A.? Bro, I can't complain. The weather's great. Like, a lot of businesses are starting to open back up, so... It's starting to feel like the real L.A. that you needed to experience last time. Yeah, most definitely. Now, one of the things I've, I, I've come to appreciate here in L.A., like the rooms are different. So it's kind of like, you know, in New York, you got to kind of be in the, the certain area to get access to certain things. But here in L.A., it's, it's just, you know, it's amazing the way you can interact with people. And um, I hit my good friend Kelly to see who she had. and told me Mario has um, not only a new record that's bumping right now, but he actually has a concert that's coming out. So we got him here the infamous out. Uh, Mario, welcome. Yo, yo. Welcome to the West Coast, bro. Thank you, thank you. Welcome to the West Coast. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, although the vibes are great, um, today today is actually a, a weird day in hip hop and urban music because we, we lost DMX, um, and and your ascension, uh, y- your first record was in his prime. I mean, what did DMX mean uh, to to hip hop and just urban culture in general? I mean, for me personally, man, you know, first and foremost, rest in peace, rest in power. Sending mad love out to his family, his fans, his colleagues, people who knew him personally. He was really close with my uncle uh, in Baltimore. You know, my uncle, he's a super cool dude, street dude, but like getting his bread, like, you know, he was going back and forth to New York. Like they knew each other well. They He had bikes, he had pit bulls, all of that. So, you know, we heard a lot of stories. But then when I was in middle school, man, my mother put me on a DMX. You feel me? Like she was driving around with her amigo, bumping DMX taking me to school. Then when I started going to school on my own from the city to the county, I'm listening to DMX on the bus stop every day. You feel me? So I, I fell in love with DMX and got introduced at a very young age, man. So for me, it's real, real to just, you know, hear that he's not here with us. I don't know the exact uh, cause of the death, but man, you know, it's, it's, it's a power blow to hip hop. Like I said, people he loves, his music was so powerful. You know, his voice was powerful. His story was powerful. Um, and he just, he represented an era in hip hop that I think a lot of us just remember very well. And we miss it. You know what I'm saying? We miss that era of hip hop where his stories and the music. It's like, you know, he was talking about everything in his music. He was talking about the streets, but he was talking about love. He was talking about, you know, he, he was a storyteller, man. Like we just, we lost the storyteller, you know? And I, and I feel like the most powerful person in the room the most powerful person in the world and music is the storyteller mm. you know so recipes to the dmx man we we gonna miss him but his music gonna live on forever you feel me definitely it was definitely tragic news to receive this morning but you know it <clears> definitely <throat> left a strong and real talk behind. real talk though real talk is is you know i was hoping and, and i'm not trying to embark on the decisions made on his behalf you know when i was 16 years old I was in Europe performing and I got a call that my mom was put on, you know, life support. And I had to come back and make a decision with my grandfather about her life. 
And, um, you know, she had already been off for like a week or two before I got there. When I got to the hospital, she couldn't, she was gone. You know what I'm saying? She was a vegetable pretty much. And we made a decision not to take her off. And I'm saying this to say, and she came back to maybe a month, month and a half later. It was, it was only by the grace of God. I'm saying this to say that, you know, when people fight hard, sometimes, you know, we put it in God's hands. We, we never know what could happen. You know, I don't know the situation of his, but I was hoping that I was hoping that he would pull through and, and that they really gave they gave him more time. But again, respect to his family um, for making a decision that they, they felt like they needed to make. Absolutely. And Mario, thanks for sharing that story, you know, about your mother. I know it was an extremely hard time for you and, you know, having to kind of like relive that through X right now. It's, um, you know, it's, well, it's, you know, I knew she was going to pour through, man. You know, I just had faith she was going to pour through. You know, the body, like, you know, he had a strong spirit. You feel me? So, for me, I just knew. I'm like, oh, no, nah, he's going to pour through. He's going to pour through, you know. So, not hit to hear that, that, you know, he wasn't able to. Yeah, it's definitely crazy. But they live in, they, 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 they up there in heaven right now. You know what I mean? She probably with her right now telling them how much she loves his music. You feel me? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I have no doubt about that. Um, I was, I was saying before, like, you know, before X left, he left a strong legacy. Not only did he do the music, he was also, you know, on the screen. Just like just like you, you have a few acting credits under your name. But right uh-huh. here, I noticed that in Los Angeles, like, you become like a solidified person when you get that that Hollywood star on the walk of fame. <laughs> Mario, where's right. your star, man? Man, listen, I'm carving my name right now as we speak. I got somebody working on the star, you feel me? That's what I'm talking nah, about. Nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know, I feel like, Listen, I, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing that people who have done so, so many amazing things have stars, but I feel like it's a lot of people that don't have stars. I can't really name them by heart right now, but when I go into stars and I don't see certain people's names, I'm like, wow, like, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So you'd be surprised how many people don't have stars. Go look it up on Google. You know, so I don't really, it's like Grammys, right? I feel like it's great when people have stars, but it's more of a, uh, uh, like an entertainment thing for Hollywood than it is for people who really deserve the stars. Like, yeah. you feel me? Like, yeah. you can buy a star now. I mean, obviously, you have to have certain accolades, but you can buy a star. Really? You know, so yeah, you can purchase a star. You just have to have the right relationships and the, the bag. And I don't even think it's crazy. It's really just about uh, it's politics. You feel me? Yeah. But shout out to the Hollywood stars. I just, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's dope. Yeah, but I feel like the real legacy is about how you affect people. You know what I'm saying? Your family, your fans, the legacy you leave on them. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You messed up, you know, your, your, your career, uh, spans five albums, uh, starting in, uh, 2002. And I was interviewing Jace from soul for real. He was talking about how his, mm. how, how his voice changed throughout the years. I mean, you're mm-hmm. a real singer. Uh, how was that an adapt for you? Cause you, you know, when you're younger, you used to hearing yourself in certain tones and then you grow and your voice changes. <laughs> and, um, how, how did you Man. deal with that? Yeah, I actually, I love the way my voice changed. My boss. I, like I'm, I was able to actually do more with my voice as I got older and, um, just be more experimental uh, though I had a very soulful and dynamic voice at a young age, now it's like I can do what I was doing then, but now it's like it's believable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, when I listen back to like those records and I'm performing those records live, I'm like, wow, like I'm 
my shit is like completely different. It's just a different tone. Same notes, but the tone is smoother. It's not as raspy or it's not as like, you know, unsure. Because I was a kid when I was, you know what I'm saying? When I first started, I was only 15. Mario, like, um, I'm looking through your discography. Like, you have some timeless hits. And um, everyone knows that, like, Neo has written for you. But I want to know about your actual writing. Uh, Mm -hmm. Out of of all your big hit singles, like, which ones have you actually written yourself? I can't honestly speaking, like, I've never really completely written any of my biggest hits. Like, I'm, like, I know that may be a surprise to people. Like, I own publishing on records, but I've never written any of them, to be honest. Well, How Do I Breathe? I'm going to say that one. Um, uh, like, Break My Hair, Just a Friend, like, some of those first ones. Like, I was involved in the process, but I didn't write those. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, a lot of them. I didn't really write breakup. I co-wrote on that one. Um, but yeah, none of them I really wrote flat out. A lot of my music that I'm putting out now is more so like a lot of my writing because I just, I know what I want to say. But back then, you know, it was a lot of, it was a structured process because I was signed to a label. So it was like, okay, okay. this week you're working with this writer, this writer, this writer, this producer. Mm. Okay. Next week you're working with this. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you were it was just a, it was a more uh, of a, like an artist development process than it was a so, so gorilla me, style. So just let me follow up. Right. So let me follow up with this then. So out of all the writers you've worked with, who do you feel like was able to really match what you were feeling? Because I know you still, mm. at the end of the day, had to make the final decision. You could have been like, ah, I don't right. like this song or, right, right, you know, so forth. But who do you feel matched you? Yeah. I would say that all the songs that did end up picking for the projects were one out of maybe 15 I would do with a producer. Right? You know what I mean? Mm. One out of six, you know? So what you're hearing is the, 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 the chosen one. <laughs> you're hearing the chosen child out right. of the tribe. Uh, and yeah, like it's, 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 um, that's like the final product. I will say that we let me love you. You know, when I work with Scott, me and Scott got a couple of un- unheard records, but mm. like that record was like the last record we did out of that whole two weeks or three weeks, I can't remember, of working. Mm. And it happened to be the biggest record and a single, you know? And so sometimes when you work with the producers and writers, it takes time to get to that one, you know what I mean? Or take time to get to that right story or take time to get to that right melody. And that's the beauty of like collaborating with people, you know, is that y'all push each other until you figure it out. And it's going to be exhausting. You might want to give up. You might want to be like, all right, let's cap off. We did the best we could do. But bro, the way the universe works, it's only going to let up when you let up. Yeah. So never stop digging. Never stop going to that place, that place that's uncomfortable. Those nights where you like want to give up until you, you know, until you find it, especially when you work with other people, you know? That's what it was about. How do we make the best shit possible? How do we show the growth, you know? So now it's a little bit easier. You can kind of just kind of like make records and 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 just just throw records at the at the wall into something stick. But back then it was like pinpointed. It was like, all right, now nah, this is this is the one and this is what we're going for. 
we're going to stay on this record for three, four months at radio until it pop. Mm. Now it's like, oh, if it don't work in the first two months, three months, then we on to the next, you know? So, yeah, it was a different thing. Yeah, totally. You know, uh, pre-pandemic, we kind of had this movement. Um, at, Diddy was kind of ushering this thing, like this uh, like return to R&B and I also have conversations with, with younger people and legendary artists. And, and you know, how do you feel about the evolution of R&B in general? Um, you know, hip-hop is kind of the discussion. I guess it depends on your like. Um, you know, some people like it, some people don't. But how do you feel R&B has progressed throughout the years? I think R&B is taking different phases and different phases depending on who's allowed to carry the torch. You know what I'm saying? Ultimately, the people decide who's allowed to carry the torch for R&B. You know, I think that you can be putting out great R&B that you like and, and, and that you're passionate about, but the people decide, you know, who can carry the torch. So I feel like females in R&B right now is killing it. I feel like there's a couple of male artists, you know what I mean, that are, that are staying true to R&B in terms of the textures and sounds. But again, R&B has so many faces. Like, it's not what it used to be back in the day, whereas though it had to have this chord change or guitars or this... Like, you know, it really just has to have emotion and melody and something memorable that makes you, that takes you to a place. But if you're looking for like, like R&B, R&B, like I make R&B, R&B, you know what I mean? But I also make Pretty Mouth Magic. I also make Crowns and Diamonds. I also make Breakup. I also make, you know, uh, Crying Out For Me, you know, whereas you might have a texture that's a little more gritty than just a, you know, guitar and a pretty chord. Like, you know what I mean? So... But I think that has a lot to do with how I first came out too. You know, saying so like "Just a Friend" wasn't a regular R and B record. It was a boy next door story that I happened to just be singing crazy on. You know what I mean? I I kind of bring that approach to to all of my music, where I still keep it, even if it's modern, I still keep it keep it R and B. But it has many faces, and I think that it's never going to die because of that. You got to look at how it's evolved over the years. Now, hip hop singers. Hip hop singers—that's what they should be called. Hip hop <laughs> uh, rap, rappers are singing, my nigga. You that's feel me? Like it's not like nigga. DMX was rapping. Like sometimes you might hear Fifty Cent singing some shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You might hear a melody in that. Ja Rule was singing like mm-hmm. over the evolution of hip. Like hip hop went to like melody like in the mid 2000s and the early 2000s and start get, getting more melodic. And so now everybody uses auto-tune, yeah. you feel me? And I think that psychologically, like people don't get it. They don't, they're not, they're not, they're not studying the culture in a way that's like go beyond what the music make you feel like in the club, go mm-hmm. to the creative process. If you take away the auto-tune, nigga, the records will not hit the way they do. They won't because the auto-tune, what it allows you to do is it allows you to hit, it allows you to make your voice an instrument. Okay, so now you take a, a, a London on the track beat that's melodic as hell and you put it in the right auto tune key. Now, as urban as black people, we naturally have melody. We might not be able to hit the note right, but you can take a nigga from the streets that's it, put him in the studio, put some auto tune. He can make you feel something. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's really you got to look at the science behind it that, that give you all the answers that you ask. It's yeah. really about the science. It's not about. Who you like best? Who you like? It ain't about none of that. Mm-hmm. The shit is about science, and it's about energy. And if you master that, you can take yourself from the corner to the top of the charts with the right team, with the right situation. 
Yeah, super. And uh, speaking of R&B music, so we have this record, Luxury Love, which is available now. Yes, sir. Debut it. Uh, so let, uh, introduce the record. Talk about the record. When did it drop? What's the concept yeah. behind it? For sure. So Luxury Love is a concept about, you know, being able to, having the luxury to do something the way you want to do it. You know, we think about luxury. We think about having a luxury to buy things we like. We think about having a luxury to travel where we want to go. But in this instance, I took that same concept and I say, yo, everybody don't have the luxury to love. Everybody don't have the luxury to receive it or give it. What makes you have, like, what, 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 what affords you that luxury? Working on yourself, you know, not making mistakes, learning from it. You know, so all of that is affording you the luxury to be able to, you know, get that girl that you want. Because she might not care about your bread. Cool, that's great. But she might want to be loved a certain way, right? So you got to step it up. So luxury love is really just about that, you know what I'm saying? And um, it came out on Valentine's Day, and yeah, man, we've been we've been we've been pushing. Hopefully, hit the hit the road soon. Go on tour. I got new projects coming as well. Um, also, Closer to Mars is out right now too. My latest EP. So yo, man, we working. Most definitely. So let's get into this record, uh, Luxury Love, here on the Infamous Hour. We're yes, here sir. with Mario. We'll be right back after this. We're back on the Infamous Hour. I'm your host, the Infamous Amadeus. Round plus for myself in LA. I'm outside of these streets. Tone, um, you know, I, I went on an amazing vacation. Uh, it, I actually, 31 hours to Maldives. It's, it, it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. And uh, we have Mario on the line who, who's traveled the world. Now, Mario, any any legendary Man. stories or like, what, what is the furthest flight you've been on? Period. Because I, I did. Furthest, yeah. <laughs> the furthest flight I've been on was um, Australia. 22 hours. I think they made it quicker now. Maybe they fly the planes faster. They found a better route. Now you could probably do it at 16, 17. When I first started going there, it was 22 hours. Um, the other furthest flight I did was Africa. I did a whole tour in Africa. It was a beautiful place, man. I, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to, man. I, if you have the, the, the ability to travel to Africa, go there first. It's so much to see, so much to learn. And it's so beautiful. There's a lot of beautiful places. It ain't like what you see on TV. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then there's this island, like, I think it's, it's even south of Australia. It's called Papua New Guinea, mm. right? And <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. When I was there, like, they offered me to come there, like, you know, hospitality, all of this, book a show to go there. I'm not thinking nothing. I'm like, oh, an island? But this island, when I first went, like, they still do cannibalism on the island, bro. What? So, like, I literally go, I'm thinking, like, I'm going to go do a show. The show was packed. Half of Papua New Guinea was there. Honestly, I don't think the whole Papua New Guinea was there. But the the way it was laid out, it's not, it's, it still feels third world-ish. Hmm. And it's very still native. So, it's like, you know, it's the foods, the certain, like, you, you're not going to get the cuisine that you used to. Like, you know what I mean? You, you, you got to do it the Papua New Guinea way. And so... Man, I remember two of my team members got sick for like two weeks, bro, like going over there. But it was just because things were just so different. So when you travel and you go to these different places, when you go to places like that, like that's just like off the grid, it's a whole different thing. But you got fans there. So I did it for them. And it was like thousands of people. It was crazy. It was a crazy show. But it was, I, that was one of the craziest trips I've had. And I'm like, I don't even know if we're going to make it out of here. It's, it was crazy, bro. Like, we went to the tribes where they, like like I said, like, they still do cannibalism. Oh, you can look it up, Papua New Guinea. You know what I'm saying? That was probably one of the craziest stories. 
Yeah, Mario, I, lo- I love to ask artists this who travel the world, but like, where was the the randomest place you went to where your music was received strongly, and you weren't expecting it? Mm. I would say Tokyo. I mean, I'm very much so into American music, but I think, yeah, I would say man, when, I, when I first toured in Tokyo, you know, I just think the language barrier and the music had me tripping, you know what I mean? Because you go around a city, hardly anybody speaks English, and you definitely, I definitely didn't speak, you know, their language. So when I hit the stage and I heard them singing the songs word for word, I'm like, it was, it was fucking with my head. I'm like, yo, like, this is crazy. Like, they know every melody. They can sing the runs better than you. <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you ever watched, like, any of, like, the Asian idols or any of that, mm. but, like, they can mimic anybody better than we can. Like, they really, the talent is out is incredible. And so when I was there and I was doing those performances and I'm listening to them sing, I was blowing my mind. I'm, like, 17 years old, 18 years old at the time. And it was just really... It was, that, that's when I learned the the how um, powerful music was and the how universal just classic music is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's the reason why it's still one of the things that you know brings everybody together the most. Yeah, um, you know, you you've been dropping new music, and I'm I'm a big fan of creative song titles, and, and I gotta say, mm-hmm. uh, Pretty Mouth Magic. Keep <laughs> yeah, tell us about that. What is pretty mouth magic? Wow. All right. So every time I work in the studio, as you can see, I like to, to express myself. I'm a, I'm a Virgo. So my, my sign is ruled by Mercury. It's communication and creativity. Mm-hmm. And it's very strong. With me. So I'm, I'm talking about everything. I like to talk through where I'm at spiritually, mentally, physically to put it in the music. Even if the song ends up being about Something else, it's under the underlining point of the song is something that has to do with universal energy or something. So pretty mouth magic is really the power of the time. It's the power of, you know, controlling your environment with what you say, how you move and what you do. Obviously, the record overall is about um, uh, dating someone or being with someone who is bisexual. I'm not. I'm saying the girl that I was with, right? So she is like, I've been with girls and guys, and girls do this better. Guys do and I'm like, well, shit, you don't need nobody after me. Like, you know, I do it. You know what I'm saying? It's like that. So that was the conversation. The conversation was about how, you know, some women who have been with both women and men say women might eat the pussy better. Or like, this might be, ooh. and I'm telling her in the record, like, ah, well, look, put us in the same room. Let's, let's see what's up. People put me, you, and her in the same room. <laughs> Let's see what's popping. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's pretty much how, how that came about. Facts. No more, Why y'all I'm, get so quiet, bro? I'm, I'm, like, bug, the, I'm bugging this, off this that. This conversation bro. made y'all comfortable. <laughs> nah, man, I'm bugging <laughs> off that. Nah, I fucks with what you're saying, though, bro. Um, <laughs> yo, B, I, man, I, you know it's crazy out here, tell man. Me, tell girls, me. man. It's different out here these days, bro. Oh, no, I, I know. Listen, my, my, my wife is with the shits. So, hey, so we, we, and now we're talking. You we, know we, what I'm talking about. Oh, of course. In the nah, I'm in the movie with you. Listen, I'm here. <laughs> That's a fact. Left lane of 15, doing 137. You feel me? 
Yo, Mario, exactly. I'm sure you get the you get the versus question a lot. People asking you who you would want to go against. But listen, um, I kind of want to go like on the opposite. Like I'm noticing that in the past few years, they do these things like uh, they do like ensemble concerts where they'll get like a handful of R&B artists to do like a Valentine's Day show. And I was wondering, like, let's say they asked you to headline a show, but they said you could pick the lineup. Who would be mm-hmm. like who would be like three or four other R&B singers that you would want on that wow. lineup with you? That's that's the pressure you're gonna put on me on this good uh <laughs> Friday morning. This is Friday. I mean oh my bad, I shouldn't say that. All right, okay. Say that. Wow. That's the pressure you're gonna put on me on this good morning. All right. But shit. Um and it could be any, like any genre, any anything. You know what? Why not? I've I've seen random concerts where they just have like Carl Thomas, Brian McKnight, and then the locks. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, right. I, I guess we could go any genre. All right, with so- this. This is a Valentine's Day show, right? So I'm going to say. Um, and remember, you're headlining. So these people got to be able to bring up the energy and get the people ready for you. Shit, I mean. All right, I'm going to say. Man, that's hard, bro. That This is a real hard one right here. So. All right, I'm going to say. Boys to men. Oh. Right? I'm going to say. Mary J. Blige. Oh. Okay. I could pick one more, right? Yeah. 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 All right. Um, uh, her. Her. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And then me. Yo, applause, that is diverse as hell. I love it. Super lineup. I, I actually Yo, like her. Yeah. That's a sold out show. I'm telling you. Nah, I, I sold out show. Yeah, I, I like her. And you know, speaking of virtual concerts, uh, you have this virtual concert coming up. Uh, let's let's talk about this. It, it, it'll be uh, tomorrow. Well, you know, people will hear it yes, after, sir. but you have tomorrow. And then, um, you know, personally, like, how have you adjusted to the, the new world, right? Because you know, yeah. we, we like to go out there as musicians and radio people and actually get out there and interact with people. We've been doing things uh, virtually, so you know, how have you adapted uh, on top of the show? And do you think? This is where uh, we are as media people and industry people moving forward. Mm. Man, personally, how I've adapted is, you know, I started working on other businesses. I launched like two other businesses. Um, another one, like writing more music, uh, really just focusing on like what's most more important to me, talking to family a lot more, like just helping people mentally and just like giving them the keys to the shit that I've learned. Um Man, um, I mean, obviously for me, it's like when I think of, thought about the music part of things, I'm like, all right, well, there's, your, contr- your control is only as much as you can do. Like, you, if you can't travel, if you can't, you know, do this, it's like you're not going to continue to spend bread in places where you can't make your money back. So for me, it just made me think music is always going to be there. I'm going to keep doing music, but how do I continue to do things? that's going to make me bread outside of music, outside of the things I was already doing to do that. It was like, it made me want to do that even more. So I started reading more, learning more, more about a lot of different shit. Um, but now that things are opening up, how I feel like it's going to go back to norm. I think that, I think personally, you know, if they, they say they got half the people in America vaccinated or some shit like that, I think they should open things back up personally, bro. I yeah. think, I think they should open things back up. You know, for the people, for for the culture, you know, for the people who are really 
excited about opening that new business that they were supposed to do it, you know, a year and a half ago, you know, so, so we can get the economy back moving. Um, and I think it's going to be a great time for music. I, I hope that, you know, we can, we can jump off the of Zooms and, and get back into the offices and, you know what I'm saying, do this in person and really bring the energy and life back to our, our, our movement. Um, I think one of the craziest things about it is like that so much can be controlled. So many people can be controlled through the media and through Instagram and through all that shit. Now it's like one thing can happen and now the whole world know about it through where's the, cause nobody's moving. Everybody is at their phones every yeah. day in the house. So it's like, it's about who can get the most attention through social media. So you saw a lot of capping, a lot of craziness going on. So I hope that opened it up and stopped that because I feel like that's destroying the culture for real. It is definitely. You know what I mean? So yeah, all of that, I was looking at all of that, you know what I mean? But now getting back to the music, you know, virtual shows is something I, I enjoy doing. That's not my favorite, but I enjoy it. Inertia is coming up 10th tomorrow. It's going to be powerful. You know, it's really just a uh, an intimate show with me and my fans. Last show, I had multiple different stages, sets, and all that. This is just like one space. It's concentrated on just making on performing the records that my fans want to hear. So I hope they enjoy it. It's going to be fun. Tickets are available now. Still, you can go to my Instagram, Mario Worldwide, and click the link in my bio, or you can go to mandolin.com, mandolin.com, and get your ticket. Okay. And we'll definitely be tapped in. Now, Mario, um, the new project is called Closer to Mars. This is the new EP. Uh-huh. Tell us about the title and also tell us what people can expect from this project. Sure. So the title to Closer to Mars kind of came from my name. So a lot of people don't know my name means Mars and Latin. So, mm. you know, being a person that is interested in and kind of like dives into that cosmic space and like practices in that space, you know, I really wanted to bring something that was personal to me. And then also it's just really about my fans getting closer to me, you know, and I had a lot of time to spend with myself. You know what I'm saying? So I was really getting closer to myself and really understanding what it was I wanted to do next. You know what I mean? So that's how the title came about. And then the song Mars came from that, you know? So when you asked me earlier about writing, like this is how, you know, my pen is on these records because it really is my mindset, my, you know, me taking, concepts and, and being creative about how I write it. Anytime you hear me metaphors in my record, nine times out of ten I wrote it. Yeah. It's metaphorically written nine times out of ten I wrote it. And, and one of the things that you know was interesting about your project is that you, you paused your EP, um, obviously because of the social injustice and 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 rewrote yeah. some things. Um, so obviously when the, when the listener hears this, we're getting that pre and post expressions, correct? No, facts. Facts. I definitely pulled back because it was just, you know, devastating what was going on. And now we're kind of like having to relive that through these trials that they're prolonging. You know what I mean? But, you know, I, I didn't feel like at the time it was necessary or proper for me to even put out music. I wasn't inspired to talk about music or even myself at that time, you know? So, yeah. Um, but I'm happy I finally put it out. You know, I did tell the fans it was coming. Um, but yeah, man, shit is real. Yeah, we definitely look forward. Round applause for our guest, Mario. In I appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all. 
Uh, so this is the infamous. I'm your host, the infamous Amadeus Tonverus. Here, follow me at uh, at the infamous Amadeus. Of course, uh, Thursday Shade Forty Five. You know we're there. Uh, tap in with us on Facebook as well. Uh, Nine PM on uh, Thursdays. And uh, and Mario, I think it's only right that we go out with this pretty mouth magic record. I mean, <laughs> let's go. We got we got to get it. Let's so, go. And, and make make sure you follow Mario and uh, follow my good friend Tonvera, and uh, we'll tap in with you. Let's get to the pretty mouth magic here on the infamous hour. <laughs> 